Section 22 of The Emperor of Portugalia by Selma Lagerlöf. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 22. Summer Night. All day while the party was going on at the seine makers, Jan of Rafflack kept to his hut. But at evening he went out and sat down on the flat stone in front of the house, as was his wont. He was not ill exactly, but he felt weak and tired. The hut had become so overheated during the long, hot, sunny day that he thought it would be nice to get a breath of fresh air. He found, however, that it was not much cooler outside, but he sat still all the same, mostly because there was so much out here that was beautiful to the eye. It had been an excessively hot and dry month of June, and forest fires, which always rage every rainless summer, had already got going. This he could tell by the pretty bluish-white smoke banks that rose above the hills at the other side of the lake. Presently, away off to southward, a shimmery white curly cloud head appeared, while in the west over against Great Peak huge smoke-blended clouds rolled up and up. It seemed to him as if the whole world were afire. No flames could be seen from where he sat, but there was no mistaking that fire had broken out and could hold sway indefinitely. He only hoped it would confine itself to the forest trees, and not sweep down upon huts and farmsteads. He could scarcely breathe. It was as if such quantities of air had been consumed, that there was very little of it left. At short intervals he sensed an odour as if something burning, that stuck in his nostrils. That odour did not come from any cook-stove in the Ashdales. It was a salutation from the great stake of pine-needles and moss and brushwood that sizzled and burned many miles away. A little while ago the sun had gone down, red as fire, leaving in its wake enough color to tint the whole sky, which was now rose-hued not only across that corner of it where the sun had just been seen, but over its entire expanse. At the same time the waters of Dove Lake had become as dark as mirror-glass in the shadow of the towering hills. In this black-looking water ran streaks of red blood and molten gold. It was the sort of night that makes one feel that the earth is not worthy a glance, that only the heavens and the waters that mirror them are worth seeing. As Jan sat gazing out at the beauties of the light summer night, he suddenly began to wonder. Could it be that he saw aright? But it actually looked as if the firmament were sinking. Anyway, to his vision it was much nearer to the earth than usual. Could it be possible that something had gone wrong? Surely his eyes were not deceiving him. The great pink dome of sky was certainly moving down toward the earth, and all the while it was becoming hotter and more oppressive. He already felt the terrible heat that seemed to come from the red-hot dome that was sinking toward him. 
to be sure jan had heard a good deal of talk about the coming destruction of the world and had often pictured it as being effected by means of thunderstorms and earthquakes that would hurl the mountains into the seas and drive the waters of the lakes and rivers over plains and valleys so that all life would become extinct but he never imagined the end should come in this way by the earth burial under the vault of heaven with its inhabitants all dying from heat and suffocation this it seemed to him was the worst of all he put down his pipe though it was only half smoked but remained quietly seated in the one spot for what else could he do this was not something which he could ward off something he could run away from one could not take up arms and defend oneself against it nor find safety by creeping into cellars or caves even if one had the power to empty all the oceans and lakes their waters would not suffice to quench the fires of the firmament if one could uproot the mountains and prop them beam-like against the sky they could not hold up this heavy dome if it was meant that it should sink singularly enough no one but himself seemed to be aware of what was happening ah look what was that that went shooting up above the crest of the hill over yonder a lot of black specks suddenly appeared in among the pale smoke clouds these specks whirled around each other with such rapidity that to jan's eyes they looked like a succession of streaks moving in much the same way as when bees swarm they were birds of course the strange part of it was that they had risen in the night and soared into the clouds they probably knew more than the human kind thought jan for they had sensed that something was about to happen instead of the air becoming cooler as on other nights it grew warmer and warmer anything else was hardly to be expected with the fiery dome coming nearer and nearer jan thought it had already sunk to the brow of great peak but if the end of the world was so close at hand and there was no hope of his getting any word from glory goldie much less of his seeing her before all was over then he would pray for but a single grace that it might be made clear to him what he had done to offend her so that he could repent of it before the end of everything pertaining to the earth of life what had he done that she could not forgive nor forget why had the crown and sceptre been taken away from him as he put these queries to himself his glance fell upon a bit of gilt paper that lay glittering on the ground in front of him but his mind was not on such things now this must have been one of the paper stars he had borrowed of mad ingeborg but he had not given a thought to this empty show since last autumn it kept getting hotter and hotter and it was becoming more and more difficult to breathe the end is nearing thought jan maybe it's just as well it wasn't too long coming a great sense of lassitude came over him unable to sit up any longer he slipped down off the stone and stretched himself out on the ground 
he felt it was hardly fair to katrina not to let her know what was taking place but katrina had gone to the seine maker's party and was not back yet if he only had the strength to drag himself thither he would have liked to say a word of farewell to old bengtsa too he was very glad when he presently saw katrina coming down the lane accompanied by the seine maker he wanted to call out to them to hurry but not a sound could he get past his lips shortly afterward the two of them stood bending over him katrina immediately ran for water and made him drink some and then he got back just enough strength to tell them that the last judgment was at hand how you talk said katrina the last judgment indeed why you've got fever man and you're out of your head then jan turned to the seine maker can't you see either that the firmament is sinking and sinking the latter did not give him any reply but turned instead to katrina saying this is pretty serious i think we'll have to try the remedy we talked of on the way i may as well go down to falla at once but lars will never consent to it why you know that lars has gone down to the taverns i'm sure the old mistress of falla will have the courage jan cut him short he could not bear to hear them speak of commonplace matters when such momentous things were in the air stop talking he said don't you hear the last trump don't you hear the rumbling up in the mountains they paused a moment and listened just to please jan and then they too heard a strange noise there's a wagon rattling along in the woods said katrina what on earth can that mean as the rumbling noise grew more and more distinct their astonishment increased and it's sunday too observed katrina now if this were a weekday you could understand it but who can it be that's out driving in the woods on a sunday night she listened again then she heard the scraping of wheels against stones and the clatter of hoofs along the steep forest road do you hear asked jan do you hear yes i hear said katrina but no matter who comes i've got to get the bed ready for you at once it's that i have to think of and i'm going down to fallam said the seine maker that's more important than anything else good-bye for the present the old man hurried away while katrina went in to prepare the bed she was hardly inside the door when the rattling noise which she and the seine maker believed was caused by a common wagon sounded as if it were almost upon them to jan it was the rumble of heavy war chariots at whose approach the whole earth trembled he called in a loud voice to katrina who came out immediately dear heart don't be so scared she said reassuringly i can see the horse now it's the old bay from falla sit up and you'll see it too slipping her hand under jan's neck she raised him to a sitting posture through the elder bushes at the edge of the road a horse could be seen running wildly in the direction of rufflock don't you see it's only lars gunnarsson driving home he must have drunk himself full at the tavern for he doesn't seem to know which way he's going 
when katrina said that a horse and wagon dashed by their gate both she and jan noticed that the wagon was empty and the horse driverless all at once she let out a shriek lord deliver us did you see him jan he's being dragged alongside the wagon without waiting for a reply she rushed across the yard into the road where the horse had just bolted past jan let her go without a word he was glad to be alone again he had not yet found an answer to his query as to why the empress was angry at him the bit of gilt paper now lay directly under his eyes it glistened so that he had to look at it again and again meanwhile his thoughts went back to mad ingeborg to the time when he had come upon her at the boy landing it struck him instantly that there was the answer he had been seeking now he knew what it was the little girl had been displeased about all this while he had been unkind to mad ingeborg he should never have refused to let her go along to portugalia how could he ever have imagined anything so mean of the great empress as that she would not want to have mad ingeborg with her it was that kind that she liked best to help no wonder she was angry he ought to have known that the poor and unfortunate were always welcome in her kingdom there was very little that could be done in this matter if no to-morrow dawned mused jan but what if there should be one ah then he would go and talk with mad ingeborg first thing he closed his eyes and folded his hands anyway it was a blissful relief to him that this anxiety had been stilled now it would not be nearly so hard to die he had no idea as to how much time had elapsed before he again heard katrina's voice close to him jan dear how do you feel now you're not going to die and leave me are you katrina sounded so doleful that he had to look up at her then he saw in her hand the imperial stick and the green leather cap i asked the folks down at falla to let me take these to you she explained i told them that come what might it was better for you to have them again than to have you lose all interest in life the dear little girl the great empress isn't she wonderful jan said to himself no sooner had he come to a realization of his sin and promised to atone for it than she again granted him her grace and her favor he had such a marvellous feeling of lightness as if a great weight had been lifted from him the firmament had raised itself and let in air at the same time drawing away the excessive heat he was able to sit up now and fumble for the imperial regalia now you can have them for good and all said katrina there'll be no one to come and take them away from you for lars gunnarsson is dead the emperor's consort katrina of rufflack croft k 
came into the kitchen at Lövdala Manor with some spun wool. Lady Liljekrona herself received the yarn, weighed it, paid for it, and commended the old woman for her excellent work. "'It is fortunate for you, Katrina, that you are such a good worker,' said Lady Liljekrona. "'I dare say you have to earn the living for both yourself and the husband nowadays.' Katrina drew herself up a bit, and two pink spots came into her face, just over the sharp cheekbones. "'Jan does his best,' she retorted, "'but he has never had the strength of a common labourer. "'At any rate he doesn't seem to be working now,' said Lady Liljekrona. "'I have heard that he only runs about from place to place, showing his stars and singing.' Lady Liljekrona was a serious-minded and dutiful woman, who liked industrious and capable folk like Katrina of Rufflag. She had sympathy for her and wanted to show it, but Katrina continued to stand up for her husband. He is old and has had much sorrow these last years. He has need of a little freedom after a lifetime of hard toil. It is well you can take your misfortune so calmly observed lady liljekrona somewhat sharply but i really think that you with your good sense should try to take out of jan the ridiculous nonsense that has got into his head you see if this is allowed to go on it will end in his being shut up in a madhouse now katrina squared her shoulders and looked highly indignant jan is not crazy she said but our lord has placed a shade before his eyes so he'll not have to see what he couldn't bear seeing and for that one can only feel thankful lady liljekrona did not wish to appear contentious she thought it only right and proper for a wife to stand by her husband then katrina everything is all right as it is she said pleasantly and don't forget that here you will find work enough to keep you going the year around and then lady liljekrona saw the stern set old face in front of her soften and relax all that had been bound in and held back away grief and solicitude and love came breaking through and the eyes overflowed my only happiness is to work for him said the old woman he has become so wonderful with the years that he is something more than just human but for that i suppose they'll come and take him away from me end of section twenty two read by lars rolander